At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active, but also loves to enjoy great-tasting beer with friends. To give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Lions. Captain's Corner podcast presented by Jaguar Physical Therapy. I'm your host, Mike Kowalski, joined, as always, by the Columbia football captains, Justin Woodley, Stu Nublat, and Ben Mathismeyer. Guys, welcome back. How we doing? How was, uh, how was the trip to Hanover? Probably a little little better than coming back with a shutout win, right? Always, but always long. <laughs> that trip there and back is terrible. That hotel. Five hours there, get back at 3 o'clock Saturday morning. They but got hey, the we best won. hotel, we though. You, you Fireside Inn and Suites is uh, it's is awesome. a classic. Yeah, Fireside Inn staple, you, especially when you get a massage chair in your room. You know, not wow, not for everybody, but stick it up. <sighs> Last time I was at the Fireside, I don't think they had like eight flat screen TVs in there yet. That was like six years ago. Yeah, it's <laughs> been an upgrade. Place is ancient. It's awesome. So we'll we'll go through the game. I mean, obviously historical significance, obviously huge impact in the Ivy League standings. Um, ben and Justin from the defensive side, how were you guys able to limit? Dartmouth and their high-powered offense. Um, I mean, what we talked about kind of last Monday, we knew they were a disciplined football game, and we had to even be more disciplined than they were, and I think we did exactly that. I think we flew around at the football. We played discipline, disciplined football, and I thought Coach Farrar put together a phenomenal game plan, letting us just be football players and, you know, doing what we're supposed to do, you know, snap in and snap out, and, and we executed, and obviously the shutout was, was tremendous of a defensive performance for us, so. You know, I think also just getting after people early. We talk about how important those first three possessions are in a game. You know, I think we had held them to one first down among those, you know, up until like halfway through the second quarter. So, you know, jumping on people early, forcing them to get out of their game plans, forcing them to rethink that their game plan that they came in with, you know, I think there was a lot that they showed on film that they didn't show in the game. You know, and I think that that was more a credit to us and our defense and how we were able to kind of take away the things that they wanted to do. But, you know, overall, like Ben said, I think it was just it came down to a lot of guys being disciplined, being focused. I mean, we had third stringers that had to come in and get crucial plays in that game. So to see everyone be locked in and be ready to go and focused and not make mistakes was huge for our defense. Offensively, you guys were able to control time of possession, eat up some clock there, especially working with a lead. How important was that for, for you guys? I think it was very important. I think obviously the main story of the game is that our defense played fantastic and pitched a shutout. But um, on the offensive side of the ball, they don't do too much defensively. That is crazy. They just kind of line up and try to beat you one-on-ones. And so we thought we could go in there and try to beat them up a little bit in the run game. And we had a great great game plan. Um, I think the thing that really helped us out in the game is we didn't make a ton of huge errors, such as like turnovers or a ton of just things that would shoot us in the foot directly with the defense playing as well as they are. We need to make sure not to give them a short field. And we did a pretty good job of that all day. And then we just went in there and capitalized on their mistakes and didn't make 
a ton of fatal ones ourselves, which I think was the difference. I think another key point in the game, you know, most of the time when you got to third down or even fourth downs, when you had to go for those situations, mm -hmm. they were all manageable yardage. And how important yes. is that? I mean, obviously everybody talks about that, but when you're in a game like that and we're able to continually get like third and shorts or, or a fourth and short, and you're getting that gives you a little bit more confidence that you're going to be able to execute on that level, right? Yeah, that's something as an offense we talk about all the time. Coach Fabish is always emphasizing. It's really just staying on schedule. Um, where we really get in trouble as an offense is if we have a negative play or just a ton of third and longs or something like that. It's really staying on schedule. You want to have first and second down, going with a plan and really try to execute. And like you said, get those third and shorts, third and manageables. Just it's something that you can convert on many more times than a third and long. And then going back to the defense, the the exact opposite. Whenever Dartmouth seemed to have a third or fourth down, you guys were able to get off the field. So um, I guess, you know, especially when they had some – drives at late in the game and plus territory trying to t trying to finish off the shutout like how big is that for you all i mean yeah third and third and even fourth downs are, are crucial as the defense getting stops with even more crucial when it's in the red zone and i thought not only we did a great job on third down throughout the game i thought at the end of the game you know in order to finish the shutout we did a great job in the red zone having two really big fourth down stops um in, in the fourth quarter to keep keep the goose egg on the board I think something that people often overlook when it comes to third down defense is early down success. You know, I think we did an excellent job on first and second down, especially limiting their run game. You know, this is a team that was running the ball at about a 60% clip. I think they were second in the league going into this game and overall run run efficiency in the league. So, you know, getting after people early, like we talked about, you know, first and second down, forcing them to short runs, getting them in second and eights, third and sevens, stuff like that, you know, where we can really get after it, get our speed package on the field and really let loose. That's kind of what we want to do on third down. So it all starts early in the possession, you know, have to get out, have to get off the field, you know, especially it starts on first and second down. I mean, I, I think also like any team, like Dartmouth's identity as an offense was running the ball. I think they're averaging like six yards of carry. And so when you're able to shut down a, a team's identity of run the ball and only allow them to get six yards on the ground, I think that plays a huge part in even getting to third down and getting those stops as well. So, because they hadn't been in a lot of third and seven plus situations, and I thought we may, we put them in that position a good bit on uh, on Friday. Each week we kind of talked about kind of putting everything together and playing that quote unquote perfect game. Obviously, no game's perfect, but we're just going to use that term really loosely. But how do you kind of replicate that and take it into uh, this week's game against the Bulldogs? You got to do more. You know, I think it's what we talked about even as early as Saturday, you know, especially big on uh, yesterday, our message is you just got to do more. You know, I think as the season progresses, you know, you can't ever get comfortable, can't ever get complacent. You know, what was good last week won't be good enough this week. You know, Yale has our film. They saw what we did last week. So for us to think that we can do the same thing that we did last week and get the same result would be flawed. So I think we all know we got to stay focused, you know, stick with the process that we have, but, you know, work even a little bit harder this week. So we're able to come out and execute on Saturday. Yeah, just adding on to that, I think everyone knows this isn't the time to relax. We just had a big win that I think was good for our program, but if we want to continue this success, we really need to batten down the hatches and keep going forward. Um, from a perspective of Yale, they're always a solid football team. I think they're a lot better than their record. Um, they've lost to some solid football teams, took Dartmouth into overtime, so they're going to be a challenge. They're a good team, uh, and we just need to work toward them. Is this your first time playing at Yale since they put the turf in? Nope, this will be the second time. time. First time. First time for you? That field was so bad before I, know. I put the turf in. The grass oh, no, was... I loved grass fields. Like, no. Brown's old stadium was no. sweet. This, this yeah, wasn't, like, this wasn't like, grass, though. That was you like playing in grass, but Brown's this and Yale's like grass mud. was like – It was awesome. Calling it grass is <laughs> a there's, there's a play my freshman year where I was lined up, 
and at the snap of the ball, I go to like push off my feet, like mm-hmm. to step forward, and like the f- the ground underneath my feet just goes out from underneath me, and I just fall face first right into an offensive lineman. <laughs> you know, it was it was that might not came called grass. Fault. Oh no, it was terrible. <laughs> it, it was it was horrible. So I mean, it, you, we talk about the other venues in the league. Yale Bowl is one of the oldest facilities in the league, and you know, what's it like kind of playing there, and what's the atmosphere like now, especially now that things have been improved a little bit. I've actually never been to Yale, so you're going to have to talk to these two guys. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ben has been there more recently than I have, but in my recent experience, I absolutely hated playing at Yale. Um, <laughs> Yale is one of the worst. Uh, it is. It, it's the I worst mean, venue to play they, as a they visitor have, because yeah. the locker room situation, I think. So. Is it terrible? It, they have no, to, so it's not terrible. It's a yeah. location. So you have to – you basically, before the game, pregame, you're in like the – I guess a tennis, tennis center across tennis the, center across across the street. The street, so you have to walk up like wooden stairs. You to have to go walk around the tennis center first. So you have to walk that. around the entire tennis center. Up these wooden stairs that about like fifty may, may seventy break steps. every time you step on them. Fifty on. seventy steps <laughs> across live traffic. Like there are people going across the road. You're in full cars, gear. full gear, right? cars, cars crossing the road. You're they stopping cars walking across and then once you walk across now you've like now you're on like the Yale Bowl complex but that's not where we go in through the Yale Bowl so, so like, there's still like we enter fans could like yeah. be crossing your face for all you know and when you enter you enter through like the main gate imagine like behind one of the end zones but mm-hmm. we go down the tunnel at the 50 yard line so you are essentially there's no concourse because it's the Yale Bowl it's outside you are walking among the fans all the way through until you get to the tunnel you go down the tunnel, and then you're at the stadium. And that doesn't even get started with the halftime situation. There's half-time no locker season. room at Yale Bowl. So, so you're basically they, like in a Everyone's been in those closet. classrooms. You know those classrooms in elementary school that they put in the parking lot? They're, like, they're movable. The portables. Yeah. The portables. That's their locker room. My freshman year, they turned the AC off at, at the start of the first half. So when we walk in there, it's hotter than can be. So what I was trying to get at is it's, it's one of the older facilities, and like I feel like – I know. But I feel like when you're on the field, when you get beyond all of that, and I know, again, I've been at Yale. I've, I've seen their basketball facilities. I've seen their baseball facilities. It, it takes a while for them. They feel like it's like all history and tradition and stuff. But, you know, at the Yale Bowl, there have been some big events. The Giants used to play there. It's like I feel like when you go to places like that, you kind of walk in and you almost feel the history and you might not feel like that, but I was just, that's what I was trying to get yeah. at. And if you don't, and if you don't feel like that, that's fine. Don't like make something up, but no, I mean, at least from my perspective, at least with the schedule we do this year, we don't play at Penn or Harvard. So this is really the only old stadium that we play in. And I, out of like the, you know, Penn's Harvard's and Yale's, the stadium itself is probably my favorite to play in. Cause just the bowl structure kind of makes you think of Michigan stadium almost to a degree. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's so massive, and it feels like you know, it, it's cool. It's definitely cool. So, but the yeah, know. there's other challenges Penn's to it, and like cool. yeah, yeah, Penn. I, I, I don't have nice words about yeah. Yale Bowl. <laughs> no, I mean, like you know, again, there's more historic. I feel like there's more. I know Penn's had a pretty good, obviously had a good football history too. But like you know, you're talking about like Giants, Colts, like Johnny Unitas, like those types of games were played on that field. Whereas like Franklin Field, I think I associate more with like Penn Relays. To be perfectly honest with you, because that's yeah. you know what I mean. Like there's a Super Bowl played at the Penn. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Eagles used to play in there, didn't? Yeah, they? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but you know, who cares about Philly? <laughs> <laughs> good point. Filthy Adelphia. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back after these words. You're listening to the Captain's Corner podcast presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. 
Jag One Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Lions. With state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The Jag One team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jagonept.com. That's J-A-G-O-N-E-P-T.com for more information. New York Presbyterian Hospital is one of the nation's most comprehensive, integrated academic health care delivery systems dedicated to providing the highest quality, most compassionate care and service to patients in the New York metropolitan area, nationally and throughout the globe. New York Presbyterian is consistently recognized as a leader in medical education, groundbreaking research, and innovative patient-centered clinical care. Ranked number one in the New York metropolitan area by U.S. News and World Report and repeatedly named to the honor roll of America's best hospitals, New York Presbyterian has 10 locations in the metropolitan area. For more information, visit nyp.org today. All right, welcome back to the Captain's Corner podcast presented by JAG1 Physical Therapy. Uh, back with the Columbia football captains who are coming into Yale game, uh, five and one and two and one Ivy League, uh, just a game behind first place with a few games to go. So uh, we'll go into we'll go into uh, Harvard Princeton a little bit and try to tiptoe around some stuff. I mean, obviously, all eyes on that game for you playing on Friday night. Um, what were you What were you kind of thinking? you know, seeing all that uh, unfold and we'll, we'll see where this goes. I'll, I'll take it before Woodley. One thing at least we emphasize, obviously I watched the entire game as control. We can control, we can't control the outcome or how that game was played right of any sort. Um, and obviously the end kind of was a debacle, but we beat Dartmouth on Friday. That's what we can control. We couldn't control anything that happened in the, the Harvard Princeton game. And now we're, controlling you know what we can control against Yale so that is our focus primary focus because we I mean can't do anything about what happened at the end of that game and frankly neither can Harvard so yeah. the, the good news is I mean there's still plenty of time it's not like the season ended on that oh and there's yeah. so many oh, things yeah. that can ha- play out Harvard uh Princeton plays Dartmouth in a couple of weeks and a lot of, a lot of craziness can shake out but you know you it's always nice to be able to control your destiny obviously and, oh right um you know it's it's just kind of unfortunate what happened. Uh, it was a great game, game going to overtime, two great teams, and to see it decided like that is unfortunate. But, you know, it's it's sometimes life isn't fair. Neither is football sometimes. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's frustrating for all parties involved. You know, I, I think no matter how upset we feel, it doesn't compare to what Harvard's probably feeling. You know, I think I remember watching it, like, live, and I remember just telling myself, like, if I was out there, there's no way I would – you're not like you're not taking me off that stadium if I'm a Harvard player yeah. without the refs acknowledging that we won the game. Like we're not. There's no way. So what's that I locker just, room got to be like after that? That's <laughs> tough. Yeah, Stabbed you know, in the heart. Honestly, yeah. you know. I, mean, I think it's you know, like like Ben talked about though. You know, it's a perfect example of you got to control. You can control. I think it's very easy for any team to look at that one play and call it out. But I think anyone could go back and look at multiple times on film throughout that game where. There were plays to be made that they didn't make. You know, I mean, it's as simple as you know. I mean, Princeton missed a field goal. They missed two field mm-hmm. goals during the game. So, one could argue that they shouldn't even have been in that situation to begin with. So, 
you know, I think like Ben talked about, we got to control what we can control, right? We don't have Princeton on our schedule, so we're not really focused on what they do. We just got to focus on the teams that are on our schedule and take it one game at a time. And whatever happens, happens, you know. I think that's the big thing, right? We, we're trying to go 9-1 and one at this point. It's all we can do, so that's our focus. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about having a short week. Now you have an extra day of recovery, and, you know, it's, it's just one day, but is that helpful for everybody? <laughs> Uh, Saturday off is pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's our bye week for our, which is actually not a week; it's a day. Yeah. <laughs> so having days off is always beneficial, even if it's only one. Mm-hmm. We'll take any extra days off we can get. So we've gone through Stu and Justin. We'll 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 do a little spotlight on Ben and same kind of questions. Get a little background on you. Um, you know, a little bit's been written before, but we'll we'll. we'll for our listeners that haven't, you know, pay attention to our website, what, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> so, Ben, I, I guess, uh, obviously, you're from Texas. Um, you can tell from your accent. Born and, and raised. And basically, you probably were given a football in the crib, right? Yes, I was. My, my dad uh, played football at Texas Tech, so I grew up a pretty uh, big Red Raider fan. But, yeah, since I was six, I've been playing football my whole life. I love the game. love everything about it. Um, it's just been a big part of my life ever since I, I was little. Um, and obviously Texas high school football is uh, really big. So that amplified it and then that presented an opportunity to come to Columbia, which has been a phenomenal experience, been been blessed with this opportunity um, to be a part of, you know, this team, this coaching staff, this university, this city. I mean, it's it's been awesome. Um, and I also study economics here. So, Question from our engineer, Aaliyah, um, <laughs> wants to know, you know, coming from Texas, what was the biggest adjustment for you coming to New York City, especially four years ago yeah I mean so I grew up in a suburb of Houston so I wasn't like I was you know far away from from the city like my roommate coming in Dylan Davis grew up on a ranch so it was like probably the biggest culture shock for him right but I was still in a sense like in a bubble of a suburb right so like it's like you know what are you going to do when you leave the bubble and of Katie and then you know you come to New York City and it's everything so hustle and bustle and honestly I think it fit to my personality while I'm very you know up paced guy I never you know don't like to be busy I always want to be doing something and when whether that was a combination of athletics you know academics or anything extracurricular just the fast-paced nature of the city honestly was something that i think fit my personality pretty well so it wasn't like the biggest you know adjustment obviously you know in a sense it's different than texas right new york city so um but it uh it's been great i've loved my love my time here here i guess one different question from these other two guys is when did was there a moment that you realized that you could play at this level was it something you always you know obviously you aspire to do it but when do you kind of when did you have like one moment or is it kind of like a a few things that led to, to being um, able to play in college no i mean i always knew if i got the opportunity I, i'd be a good football player obviously i'm, I'm not the tallest guy didn't, didn't have you know maybe the exact on paper what you'd want out of a defensive back um but uh i i always been around the game for so long i knew i had the intangibles to you know you know have an effect on a program and columbia you know took a chance on me and the coaching staff you know, I felt more than any others wanted me here. So I think that played a big part of my decision to come here. Um, so not any, I guess not any one moment in particular. I always knew I could play, just no matter who was willing to take the chance on me. You guys, talk a little bit about Ben and what he means to the team and what kind of teammate he is. You know, I think Ben's just one of the smartest football players I've ever played with. You know, I think you can really see that in the game and his preparation, the work he puts in. You know, I think he's a great leader for all these young guys. You know, he's always being vocal out on the field at practice, helping some of these young guys, especially, you know, this year we have so many new guys. You know, it's I mean, essentially half our team is walking through the doors freshmen. So to have his leadership presence, his energy, and then to have that, you know, that IQ that he can bring, especially all those young guys, you know, our DB rooms 
filled with a lot of freshman sophomores right now. So for them to be able to take that experience from a player like Ben, see how good he is, is fantastic for them. But, you know, Ben's been an absolute treasure for the program. You know, he's been here for five, four and a half years now. I'm not going to say he's that old. Same as you, <laughs> So he's been here four and a half years. You know, we came in together, so it's been a hell of a ride. You know, it's fun finally being able to get out on the field with him. So that's been great this year. So hopefully we can get back soon enough. Yeah, Ben just embodies everything you want the team leader to be. He's always doing the right thing. Everyone respects him, looks up to him. So he's a perfect leader for the team, and I think he does an amazing job, as evident by how we're doing and how he's doing this season. Just seemed, you know, again, we, we even on Friday night had a big pick interception. Um, just, again, you're just in the right place at the right time a lot of times. A lot of it comes from preparation and everything, but, like, when there's a – a big play to be made. It seems to be ball gets in your hands. I mean, personally, I was listening to the game on the internet radio call. I was driving home and I heard interception. I was like, it's probably Ben. And then I hear it's like, oh, Mathis Myers got it and he's running. So, I mean, again, it's just kind of funny how all that kind of works out. So, I mean, what's, what's, What's my strategy? Yeah, to this? Like, I, can answer, Mike, I can answer this question. You might question. need to work on the return part of this. Return <laughs> no, it's definitely, it's definitely yeah. not the return skills. So. <laughs> but it's as simple as big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. I think that ultimately defines what Ben Mathis-Meyer is. No doubt. I think a little bit, too. Like, even this interception, like, it's been instilled for me from a young age. To, if you run to the football, good things happen. Like, this interception really wasn't, you know, the, the defense line got pressured. The, the linebackers tipped it, and it fell into my hands. Quarterback made a terrible throw. <laughs> yeah, quarterback made a terrible throw. And I intercepted it. And uh, we're, we're not going to talk about what happened after the interception, <laughs> but I did intercept the ball. In case you guys want to know how not to return an interception, punt anything. <laughs> the next, Spencer's. I mean, the next one's got to come back, right? Like, you know, I mean, the people are starting, you know, people are starting to murmur. You know, I don't even want to score at this rate. <laughs> yeah. Georgetown, I'm slowing up. He's this trying one, to make the this one, I got, I got two lead blockers, and I'm. We've been know, discussing the new strategy on how to implement a lateral at some point in the interception. How can I get it out of Ben's hands? How can I get a speed option going on the return? Yeah, so hopefully, yeah. I can pitch it to the cornerback. You know. We're coming up with new stuff. We're we're trying to get the ball out of Ben's hands, you know, into the playmakers <laughs> where, where plays can be made. So we'll work on some stuff this week. <laughs> and what are you what are you planning on doing next year? Any any thoughts yet? Yeah, I mean, I took a job down in Tampa, actually, in Florida, um, at a company called Raymond James. Um, so that's uh, people might have heard of it. So that's um, <laughs> that's the plan as of right now. So and what are you, what are you going to be doing there? You know, yet? investment banking. Okay, so. Being an analyst, putting that, putting that degree to good use, exactly. right away. Exactly, yep. exactly. So that's the plan right now. Nice. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week. Columbia takes on Yale in New Haven this Saturday, October thirtieth, twelve o'clock start on ESPN Plus. So check it out. Big game for the Lions as they try to uh, keep climbing the Ivy League standings. Uh, next home game is going to be Saturday, November sixth against Harvard, one p.m. start. Tickets still available. Get to Robert K. Craft Field at Lawrence Wien Stadium by visiting gocolumbialions.com slash tickets. Get your get your t- seats today. Um, as always, we're the Captain's Corner Podcast. You can find us on all your major podcast platforms, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Search for Columbia Athletics and subscribe today. So for the three football captains, I'm Mike Kowalski. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.